Happy Monday, everybody. How y'all doing? I am curious about your lives and how you're feeling and how your mental health is. I hope it's good. I hope this time of year is bringing a lot of excitement and joy and um, getting to see people again. I hope that that's really healing. But I also honor if this is a really overwhelming time for you as well as we start to, you know, reacclimate into quote unquote normal. Um, I hope that you're also taking care of yourself in honoring what worked for you during quarantine and making sure that you are implementing that into your life as well. It's okay if you had to adjust. It's okay if things look different than they did a year ago. That's part of life is growing through and learning as new experiences come to you and still honoring, you know, what matters most to you. I know for myself, um, prior to the pandemic, I was the type that would just jam pack my schedule um, constantly. Now people close to me are probably giggling because I still do that. Um, But I do allow myself or I'm more aware, I would say, of when my body is going to feel really tired and when I'm going to feel really burnt out. And so then I'm intentional about making sure that I slow down at that point. So it's not always perfect. I don't have it figured out yet, but I'm getting closer to understanding what I did enjoy about being in quarantine and what I, you know, still need, which I feed off of energy from other people. And so I do love to see people, but I also know how important it is for me to recalibrate and get things done and journal and read and slow down in order to then continue to have the energy to be around others. So I hope that you're well and that you're working through this process and that you're doing okay. Um, This episode this week is something that's really powerful for me and somebody who has been in my life in just sort of like sprinkles of ways for the past, I don't know, like five years of my life, really, truly. Um, And I'm just so excited to share it with you. And and first I want to, before I introduce who I had on, I want to share with you something that I do reveal in this episode. And that is the fact that I became sober on April 25th of this year. Um, and so the reason that I ended up choosing that is because I realized that alcohol is not serving me in my life right now. And I think it's really easy to feel like when somebody says that they're sober, they've you know decided to not drink any longer to feel like, what's wrong? Like, did something happen? Did you get a DUI? Did you get arrested? Did you have a drinking problem? And to be candid with you, and I think I share this in the episode as well, like I don't have a problem, quote unquote. I know when to stop drinking. I've never been a big drinker. It hasn't really been a part of my DNA. My dad struggled with alcohol. Um, There was a lot of drinking in a previous relationship of mine that I was just not fond of. And I realized that the just unhealthy side of alcohol and how toxic it can be really, truly toxic to your body. Um, And I noticed as well in myself that it was really impacting my mental health in a negative way. And that 
the way that I noticed that was that I was having severe panic attacks after drinking and not even drinking a lot. Like I said, I would have maybe two drinks and the next day be in like a full panic attack. Um, I would have anxiety about potentially being hungover. Like I would be drinking one drink and be sitting there having anxiety about the possibility of me being hungover the next day. And I just didn't find that it was fun for me anymore. And I felt like because I hadn't said I don't drink at all, people would feel the need to pressure me. And I know that a lot of people have experienced this where others feel like they need to put, you know, that drinking aspect. It's like we all need to drink together and that's the only way we're going to have fun. And I just don't believe in that. And I, I personally don't like that. So I don't care if others drink. Obviously, I'm not like, you know, no one should ever drink. Um, I do see the the bad sides of it and I'm really aware of that. And so I do see how that's kind of something that um, I just want to, you know, share with people if I can, but I'm never going to judge people for drinking. I've just decided in my life that it's not serving me. And so with that, I have decided to become sober. Um, there also is, you know, alcoholism in my family. My grandmother suffered from alcoholism and ultimately was a big reason for her death. And my dad, of course, struggled. Um, and that's, you know, my dad's line of, you know, his side. So that is how I ended up, you know, just deciding that I need to step away from alcohol and join and be sober and be a part of the sober community in order to better myself, my relationships, my mental health, et cetera. So I share that. If anyone ever wants to talk about it further, I'm definitely not an expert. I'm learning. I'm in a great sober group with Alex. Um, and I'm so happy and content to learn from people with many different backgrounds. Um, and so if, if you're ever curious and just want to talk further about it, I just want you to know, like, if you're sober curious, if it's something that you've been thinking about, but you feel like at a younger age, it feels really difficult and like you have to have a problem to quit or you have to be 55 and have struggled with alcoholism your whole life or this is like those things, those stereotypes just aren't true anymore. The sober group I'm in is all women in their like 20s and early 30s. And so you don't have to fit this mold. Like it can literally be anyone. But I also understand like the societal pressures, the social pressures and how it feels to go out and do, you know, things with people who are drinking and like how uncomfortable it can be. And so I want you to know you're not alone. So if you ever want to talk about it, I'm more than happy to talk about it. And I'm so grateful for the support that I've had thus far from my close family and my friends. Um, I'm just really, really lucky. And I know not a lot of people are as lucky as I have been thus far. That being said, the person I have on the show today is a wonderful, amazing person. She is well-known in the Minnesota community. Um, and her name is Alex Zahner. I first met Alex as she was my alchemy coach. If any of you know what alchemy is, it's like a hit workout with yoga. Um, and it was a workout that I did a lot in college and I loved it. And Alex was one of my coaches and she is just an awesome coach. Um, and she, no wonder she's so good at that, just how intelligent she is. And she's all about, you know, motivating, inspiring, connecting with people. And she's so good at it. Um, 
And also Alex happened to go to high school or graduated the same year as my brother-in-law. And she was friends with my brother-in-law in in high school. So a lot of connections. She's from the same town as me. Um, And then all of a sudden we ended up reconnected again through the podcast world because she just started her own podcast called Creating Ripples. And it's so good. I was on her show if you want to check that out. Um, all the information for her show is, is below and her show is great. She, um, has, you know, similar conversations that I have here, but in a different way and really truly, you know, with a whole nother plethora of people too. So it's just really cool to, you know, see her blossom in that space and she's just so great at it and such a good connector. And so I was so excited to have her on my show as well. And so we do talk a lot about her journey to sobriety and what that's looked like. And now she has, you know, all these groups and she's connecting people with one another and it's just great. And I'm so grateful that I have her in my life. And so this episode is really centered around, um, you know, sharing her story, her journey to sobriety, talking about motherhood, what that looks like for her. Um, And I'm just really grateful for her vulnerability and how much we dive into the ins and outs of being sober curious, having this journey and also being vulnerable and honest and talking about mental health. Um, So we really tie both of our passions, you know, and, and what we want to impact on the world into one thing. And so anyways, Creating Ripples is her podcast. Um, She is just so great and so inspiring. And I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. So if you're somebody who is just curious about sobriety, wants to know more about it, um, has considered, you know, becoming sober or is sober, Um, if you just want to understand kind of how to be the best version of yourself, whether you're sober or not, you know, this episode is for everybody. It's, it's really a great opportunity too. if you're not sober, but you have a friend who's sober, maybe just learning more about, you know, what that would look like for them and having a little bit more empathy. So check out Alex's podcast, creating ripples. You can follow her on all socials. I'll have all that information in the show notes. Um, follow it's hard podcast on Instagram at it's hard podcast and also sign up to be a part of our community on Mighty Networks. And that link is below as well. All you can do is submit your email and then you're a part of a great mental health community that supports you and honors you on your journey. And it's really just another way to connect with one another. Um, We just got done with our Body by Studio event and I'm recording this before it. I'm ensuring I'm pretty positive it's going to go awesome. Um, but I'm really excited to plan the next event. Um, so if you have any ideas of what you'd want to do, it likely will be virtual for reasons that I will talk more about in a couple weeks. Um, but I would love to hear from you on what are some things you would want to do in the month of July. So follow It's Hard Podcast, um, anything mental health, all things, you know, fun and relatability. And I'm so excited for you to hear this one with Alex Sonner. It's Hard Podcast is edited and produced by Sather Audio. Sather Audio is ran by my dear friend, Andy Bjerk. 
He is an incredible sound engineer. He did all the intro music to this podcast this season, has worked with me since day one on producing the best podcast possible. He edits all of my episodes, which is a complete lifesaver and time saver as I work, you know, a nine to five and do this on the side. And I just can't thank him enough for how much he does for me and how incredibly, you know, insightful and talented he is. He also creates his own music. You can follow him at Sather Audio on Instagram and reach out at SatherAudio at gmail.com if you have any inquiries or need any sound needs, if you will. I can't recommend him enough. Tell him that I sent you and connect with him. If you're a podcaster, if you're looking for a new intro song, anything, he is for sure your guy. You can't deny that my new intro music is bomb. So reach out to Sather Audio with any of your sound needs. I'm feeling good. Um, I don't know. I had a lot of nausea the first trimester, but I, I don't know. I'm having less nausea, but I threw up for the first time on Sunday, which was not fun at all. Um, so I'm hoping that that's like the only time, but we'll see. I threw up a lot with Clara. So I was like kind of anticipating that again. Um, but hopefully like I'm in the clear. <laughs> Not fun just at all. One, just a one and done on that one. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, that was fun. But let's just like not experience that again, please. Seriously. It's, yeah. Pregnancy, man. How is Henry doing? He's okay. Um, he's actually doing pretty well right now. Um, he, we're looking at he's potentially coming home next week. And he'll be home for like a couple months, which would be awesome so that he can get stronger and then potentially have the surgery that he was originally supposed to have. Um, So just made like a really weird turn because he was like literally going to have a heart transplant. And then the next day they like were cleaning out everything and just kind of getting him ready to be transferred to Milwaukee. And all of a sudden his heart was like functioning fully. And they took him off life support. Like, it was insane. Like, just so crazy how, like, oddly he turned around for the better. So now he's just been, like, getting better every day. And they've taken him off the breathing tube. And he's just starting to look more normal. Like, we'll FaceTime him. And, like, he's starting to smile again. And he's, Mm. like, back to kind of, like, the Henry we know, you know? So it feels better. And it's just even just more, like peaceful like in general in our home I feel like we're just all a little bit less on edge about it because those first few weeks were really hard it's it's already almost been a month since he went in mm-hmm. so I don't know we'll see. yeah so it could be next week that he'll be home but everything changes like every day so we never know <laughs> oh my gosh well that's amazing I know so hopefully it stays that way but we'll see um it'll be nice because I don't know if I'll add this into the actual episode, but I'm moving in July, actually. Oh, my gosh. To where? I'm moving to Phoenix. <gasps> I'm your boyfriend? Yeah. Or, okay, yeah, for fun, for work? Well, just technically just for fun, like, because we want to go, because I haven't told my work yet. I was going to tell them today, and then I, like, just got really nervous. My boss is, like, moving into a new house tomorrow. Like, he just has so much going on. But also, yeah. like, half my team's on maternity leave. 
So there's just like so much going on. And I'm like, I have to tell him next week because like I'd love to help like train my replacement if I have to or like ask him about maybe like staying remote for a while. Um, but yeah, I'm like, holy shit, this is happening. But it's happening in July. So like Henry coming home for a couple months would be awesome because then I could yeah. see him for like the next couple months. So that's amazing. Well, so what made you guys decide on Phoenix? Um, well, we met there first of all. Okay. And then we just were there in February and, and we've talked about moving and we love hiking and talked about like Colorado and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden we're like, wait, we really like Phoenix. And like, we were there in February and we were so sad to leave and we ended up finding like a really cool apartment down there. And we're like, you know what? I think this is the place. And That's so, awesome. Yeah. It was just like gut feeling, just like went for it and we're trying it. So Fun. we'll see what we think. I love it. That's yeah. exciting. Okay. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but I'm really excited. I'm um, just a lot to like tell and, and do beforehand. I'm like, holy shit. Like that's, that's only like seven weeks away or like six weeks away now. It's crazy. Yeah. But that's going to be so awesome because when you're out there, you'll like connect with so many other people Mm -hmm. and so your podcast and stuff, you're going to meet like so many other like guests and probably other people that are podcasting and things like that, which will be a really cool experience too. I know. And thank God for the virtual world because like we can still, because like, I feel like our Minnesota, I feel like we talked about this. Maybe we did. I don't know if we did, but like the Minnesota community with like podcasting and stuff is so good and so strong. And like, we just like introduce each other to so many different people and it's just really cool. And I'm like, I want to stay a part of that and thank God I can because of like virtual recording and virtual everything. But then also down there, I already know a couple, like one podcaster for sure down there and she's awesome. And I, we follow each other on Instagram and I told her I was moving. So that'll be really nice to just like, like you said, just open up that whole new thing. But then also like keeping people like you in mind of like, oh my gosh, you have to know this person, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like expanding everybody's kind of horizon too in that way. I think could be really cool. Be cool to do another one of those like happy hour meetups that you and Ashley did and like connecting people from like different communities and stuff. I would love to do that because Ashley was like, she kind of stepped away from that because she was like, I don't have the energy right now. Um, I think it was when she was going through her miscarriage. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, totally understand. And so I want to do it again, but I think that's such a good idea to wait till I'm down there, maybe meet a couple more people and then we can like really mesh the, the different networks there. So yeah, definitely yeah. hold me accountable for that. If I forget, yeah. I will. <laughs> do you have a job lined up yet or not yet. I, I've applied to a couple of different things. I really want to get in the mental health space. Um, and so I recently applied to a company that's like mental health care. So I'd love for that to work out. Um, but I'm just going to keep looking and applying. But potentially if I could keep my job, I would consider that as well. But I'm really passionate about the mental health space. So I'd love to try that out if I could. Yeah. So we'll see. Awesome. Also, yeah. uh, you might hear Clara. And- <laughs> it's okay. I heard her a little bit, but it's, it's real. We, we did the tub before because you for sure would have heard her screaming. Um, but she goes down at seven and then she's usually like awake for a little bit and yeah. makes noise. So like if I'm not talking and you're talking and she's screaming, I'll try to mute it. Okay. <laughs> but I told Jordan like, do your best to just be mindful 
of her, but you know, it's also real life. Like you just can't make this shit up. It's, it's how it is. <laughs> so yeah, she uh, like will like lay in her bed for a while and just scream for a bit and then fall asleep. Oh, that's fun. That's <laughs> you ready for another one of that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, oh God, the newborn stage. I'm like, I am not ready. <laughs> Every two to three hours, just getting up and feeding them is like, yeah, I'm not ready for that at all. I like, once I got through that, I feel like, yeah, parenting and cha- and like being a mom, it's definitely challenging, but it it's like, you're a little bit less sleep deprived. <laughs> like the newborn stage is fun because it like all they do is lay on you and yeah. you just snuggle them. Um, but like the getting up every two hours is just really hard. another world. It's really yeah. I don't. I like love sleep, so that is a really hard part for me. Yeah, I can't imagine. I'm not ready for that at all. I'm like, I'll wait maybe six years. Yeah, you got a lot of time. A I lot. Was, of time. I was 29 when I had Clara. So that's how I want to be. I literally, that's like my, I mean, you can never plan anything, but that's ideally I'd like to be closer to 30. Yeah. Like awesome. I, my brother and his wife Crawford will be 28 this year and his wife just turned 25. And they were like, yeah, maybe like next year or something. And I was like, oh my God, you guys, you do not have to start. But like, she wants to have like five children. So I'm like, you better get okay, going. Then you, then you might have to start. Like, but I'm like, you also don't have to rush. Like, don't ever feel like you have to start before you feel yeah. right because you only get the time, the two of you, for so long. Mm-hmm. And then once you have kids, they're there for life. Never changing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's what I told my sister too. I'm like, are you sure? Cause like, it's never going to be the same again. <laughs> yep. Like, I'm- yeah, it's, it's hard. It's so rewarding, but it, I mean, your just dynamic as a couple totally changes when you have yeah. kids. Um, it's, it's just different. Like we love spending time us with Clara, but we don't get to have like that. Um, oh, you want to go out and do a date night tonight? It, it's a lot more planning yeah. <laughs> and with the pandemic it all also made it interesting because you couldn't go anywhere anyways yeah. you were just naturally hanging out at home all the time mm-hmm. so it's been interesting now that things are starting to open up and we're both wanting to do things obviously so like tomorrow Jordan's going golfing and my girlfriends wanted to get dinner and I was like I don't I don't think I can like I said I would watch Clara and Jordan said oh, I'll be back around seven thirty eight, and I said okay, I'm going out with my friends then. We're going to do it at late dinner at like 8.30. You you get flexible. You adapt. Yes, exactly. You just tag team it and go for it. I love that. And then you both get to do what you want to do. And how awesome is that? Yeah, it's a lot of communication is key. I think if you can't communicate and you can't be like a team player, then having kids may not be for you because – you have to be willing to sacrifice so that your partner can also do the things that they want to do and like be empathetic for each other. I think that's definitely one thing we've learned of, you know, you have to be willing to give if you're also wanting to like get things out of the relationship. And we like to do a lot of this stuff together, but sometimes it requires one of us not being able to go out and do the thing that we want or a little bit more planning on our part. Mm-hmm. So I love that. 
That's awesome. Um, Well, I'm so excited for today for like a lot of different reasons. Um, Of course, like I've known you for a while now, which is just crazy. And there's just so many things about you that I feel so inspired by and I'm just so curious about. And then you started creating ripples and it's just been so awesome to listen and kind of be a part of what you've been doing there. Um, I was just listening to your episode with Chelsea because I love Chelsea. Her and I are buddies too and I absolutely love her. And it's just so, so cool. And I feel like we have a similar mission of like the things that we want to do and the spaces we want to create. And in that way, it's really cool to be able to, you know, collaborate with one another. And I was on your show, of course, a little while back and now you're here and it's just going to be so great. Um, But I want to start with your inspiration for creating ripples, what kind of brought about the idea and, and how did you go about starting the podcast? Yeah. So creating ripples came about in January of 2019. I was at a goal setting and like visions and goal setting event at Lululemon and you started to like create your dream life. Like what would it look like? Where were you? What were you doing? And Like I saw myself creating a community. I saw myself doing it through speaking. And then I started to like envision myself doing it with a podcast. And that was something that I'd never really thought about before. And that's one of the cool things with meditation. So it was a meditation. And then like after the meditation, you just started journaling like words, thoughts, visions that came up for you. So like for me, it was like community and like speaking, um, getting vulnerable, being really authentic. And so that idea like came to me of like, I'm going to start a podcast. And I honestly think I wrote in that book that I was going to start it by like the end of August, 2019, which obviously didn't end up happening. Um, so after that happened, I was kind of like, okay, what does this mean? Like, what am I going to do? And you probably can relate to this. A lot of Googling and YouTubing and researching and figuring out what do you have to do to start a podcast? What software do you need? What mic? What headphones? How do you edit a podcast? All these things. And I quickly was like, okay, wait, what, what am I going to be speaking about? What is my goal? What's my mission? And also what am I going to call it? And I lack like on the creative side, I wish I was more creative, but I was just like, I don't know, like, where do I want to start? And I happened across paths with this woman named Nikki Norenberg, who she's been on my podcast a few times. And I started following her and she offered this program. It was called, um, she changed it. But when I did it, I'm trying to think what it was, but it was like helping you to create your like dream path or dream career. And it was a lot of like self-development, looking back on who you are as a person and kind of like what you want to do in the world. And we did this, it was a 12 week program and I had a call with her and she's like explaining to me what this program is. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. If I don't get anything for the podcast out of it, I'm going to get a lot of like learning about myself because it's, there was time management organization that was part of it. There was inner child work. Uh, there was looking at like who you are as a human, how you want to show up in the world, what you offer to people, your strengths, your weaknesses, areas of opportunity. And I just was like, okay, I'm going to do this no matter what I'm going to gain something. And I signed up with her and like, I think a week later I found out I was pregnant. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, Oh, Nikki, I really want to do this still, but I'm pregnant. And at the time I didn't really know like how that was going to impact the program. Um, 
but it ended up really slowing down my progress through it. Bless her. It ended up taking me six months to get the three month program done. And she was very patient with me, which she did not have to be. Um, but it was so cool. The types of things that she had us do. Um, one of my favorite activities we did was reach out to family and friends that knew you as a child. And what did they think, remember you as? So like what types of like, um, activities did you enjoy? Where did you excel? You know, what adjectives would they use to describe you? So like for me, a lot of like the commonalities that I had were like outgoing, energetic, like crazy, wild, like all these things kept coming up of just like, I mean, I was like known as like the wild, crazy child. And like, that is very much how Clara is. So it's kind of funny to like see that in her and just like sincere, hardworking, like, and it was really cool to get to see like how my family and friends viewed me as like a little kid and then reconnect with some of those of the things that maybe I'd lost along the way. And so with Nikki, what we started to do was talk about, okay, what do I want to offer through a podcast? You know, what, what do I feel called to speak about? And it came back to recovery and sobriety. And what I loved about opening up about my personal journey was I realized it helped other people. Mm -hmm. So when I first shared that I was sober, I had a lot of people reaching out saying, wow, they didn't even know that like maybe I was struggling or that I was even sober or, you know, they were really proud of me or they could relate to what I was talking about. And I started to realize like, wow, there's a lot of power in just sharing what I'm going through mm -hmm. and I'm not going through it alone. And so I got sober through AA. And one of the beautiful things about AA is it's all about showing up, sharing your experiences to provide hope to others. And that was kind of like an inspiring thought for me of like, wow, that's what my podcast could be. People show up, they share their personal experiences, their stories, and the listeners are going to be able to relate to that in some way, shape, or form. They're going to learn from it and a ripple effect is going to be made. So mind you, the first name I think we came up with was, it was like show and tell, but like instead of show and tell, it was like show and speak or something. So it was like trying to be like, I was trying to be like funny, like a play on words of like show and tell, but like show and speak. And I was, I, it didn't end up, it didn't end up hitting. <laughs> and then Nikki was like, what about like a play on words of like the happy hour? or something like that. And I was like, Oh my God, that's awesome. I love it. Ended up already being a podcast. So then I started to look at like quotes, things that spoke to me. And I can't remember which quote it was exactly, but it was talking about the ripple effect. And I was like, wow, this is why my podcast is going to be creating ripples because like how impactful is it if someone listens and a ripple effect is put into place and a ripple effect to me could literally be something as small as you greet someone at like the start of the, their day and they might have been having a really crappy day, but you being kind to them when you didn't have to be could then shift them into like this joy and kindness where then they greet the people that they see. And it's those small little ripple effects that we have the opportunity to be a part of every single day. Um, and the podcast is meant to make those small impacts, but also bigger impacts and make people feel less alone, feel like there's a community, feel like really empowered in whatever the choices is that they're making. So we talk about sobriety, mental health, motherhood, just personal self-development and growth. And through that, I'm hoping that people are learning and feeling inspired and wanting to 
you know, go out and make different changes in their life or to help others that they know maybe that can relate to the episodes as well. Mm. I'm interrupting this episode to talk to you about something really near and dear to my heart. My nephew, Henry, was diagnosed with HLHS at 20 weeks in utero and now is going to be potentially moving on to his fourth open heart surgery or a heart transplant in the coming months in only five months of life. And so my mom decided to start something she calls Hearts for Henry. The information is below in the show notes if you'd like to check it out where we have a website raising awareness and money for CHD, congenital heart defects. And she also sells lots of different baby items and clothing, also adult items and clothing with hearts on it to spread awareness and also raise money for CHD. So if you're interested in purchasing something in support of congenital heart defects, please check out the website below and the Etsy shop to see more. We're also in a couple of stores downtown Stillwater, such as Smith and Trade and Whatnot Boutique. If you'd like to shop in person, there's little pop-ups in there. Thank you so much to all that have reached out in support of my sister and brother-in-law and my nephew Henry through this difficult time. I hope to see you repping your hearts for Henry gear in the coming weeks and months as he continues to fight the good fight. This one's for our warrior. I love that. I love that. That was a long answer. No, it's so good. That's why I love talking to podcasters because they just run with it. I'm like, yeah, sit back with like, a you go. Yeah, I'm just like, uh, you go, girl, because I'm ready. Um, no, it's so it's so beautiful, and it's funny because that means we definitely had the idea for our podcasts at the exact same time because mine was January 2019 as well. And then it, I was the same way. I'm like, it took me this, this long journey of like, how the fuck do I do this? Like, what do I do? Um, and it's a process. It's so hard for anyone out there who's interested in starting one. Um, as you just heard, you know, Alex share, like, it's not a, you know, okay, I'm going to start one tomorrow. Like this is a process of figuring out what you want your impact to be. And that shows how intentional you were about it. Like, I don't want this to just be me talking into a mic. I want it to be me making an impact on those around me. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to go back to your experience with recovery and sobriety and if you could just share with us like how that process came about, what, you know, made you decide that it was time to become sober and yeah, I guess just your experience through that. So I started drinking at a younger age. <laughs> I think the first time I drank, I was 14. Uh, it did not go well at all. I wound up at the hospital. Um mm-hmm. Probably should have been like a, a little light bulb of maybe we don't do this until <laughs> college. Uh, but that didn't happen. I stopped drinking for a little bit and then I like intermittently drank throughout high school. Um, but I played sports and I really did not want to lose being able to be a part of those sports. So I reined it in. Um, and then when I got to college, which is very much like that binge drinking culture. And it's really easy to just like get sucked into going out on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And, you know, I was taking part in all of the things that everyone around me was doing and things just started to like 
I would have moments of blacking out or getting in trouble. My grades suffered. Like the way I was drinking was impacting my life in a negative way, but the people around me, they were drinking probably just as much, but they were able to get good grades. They weren't blacking out. They weren't really waking up with like this regret of what did I do last night? Who did I talk to? What did I say? This like feeling that I would wake up like looming of, oh God, who do I need to apologize to? And that just started to like be this like normal thing where I would black out. My friends would have to take care of me. It was stressful for them. It would cause rifts in relationships. And I just kind of, I got sick of it. And I was in a relationship in college and uh, I think we dated about a, about a year and a half after. And the only time we ever fought was when I drank. And so I so badly wanted to figure out like, okay, how can I drink but not fight with my significant other? And so I would try and drink just a little bit of wine and beer and no hard liquor. And that might've worked for like a day. And then at the next night it'd be like, okay, now I'm caught up. We're doing shots. We're drinking mixed drinks, all the things. And it was, just, I call it the roller coaster of like, I'd be like having a great night and then I wouldn't black out. And then like the next weekend I would, and then it could get worse. And then we fight and I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to black out. And it just got to be really exhausting. Like I was like, oh my gosh, does anyone else have to like go through this the same way that I do where they're like trying to figure out what is going on and they're trying to you know really manipulate how they're drinking and really the last straw that happened for me was I went out and I cheated on my boyfriend at the time while I was drinking which is something that I know I would never do if I was sober and so that was like this huge like aha for me in the terms of like okay, Alex, you're literally becoming a person that you're not. Like you don't want to be known as someone that can't be trusted, someone that cheats, someone that is deceiving, you know, like all these traits that were coming out when I was drinking were not traits that I wanted to be known as. I wanted people to see me as trustworthy, reliable, fun, supportive, kind, all the things that I knew I was when I was sober. But anytime that I drank for me, it was kind of like, well, what's going to happen? Am I going to turn into this other person or am I going to stay fun? And when I cheated on my boyfriend, that was kind of like, holy crap. I went and told him and we broke up and we'd been dating for almost four years. He was someone at the time that I was like, he's my person. Like what is happening? What did I do that I was willing to like throw something like that away? And so I decided I'm not going to drink. I'm going to get sober. For th and I set a goal, 30 days. And so I didn't drink. I called my parents. I told them what happened, which was not fun. And they all along were pushing me to stop drinking. But when you're 23, the last thing you want to be told is that you shouldn't be drinking when everyone around you is drinking. And that seems like the only way you're going to be able to fit in with the crowd. And so that was really scary. I started going to an AA meeting through my church at Eagle Brook. I told my friends like, Hey, I'm trying to not drink right now. They were super supportive. We made it a month, which was super awesome. And then I was like, I've got this. We're going to get back on the way in and see what happens. Pretty sure the first night that I went out, um, was fine. Like it was some beers at a bonfire, but then the next weekend was like a game day and we got lit 
and went to frat row. Like we were graduated at this point. Like we went to frat row at the U. We hung out with like our friends that also had graduated, like a whole day of day drinking. It was like not at all what I wanted to be doing because I woke up and I had blacked out and you'd think that would have been enough, but I kept it going. So the next weekend I was like casual wine night, right? Went over to my girlfriend's, had a wine night, woke up the next morning at the hospital. And when I woke up there, I was like, okay, my dad's supposed to be picking me up to go see my grandparents pretty soon here. Don't know where my keys are. Don't know where my phone is. Also don't know where my car is that I drove to my girlfriend's house. So ask the people at the hospital, Hey, like what's, what's the situation here? Cause I'm, I'm not like in a bed. I don't have a wristband or anything. And they're like, well, you were found in like the vestibule of an apartment passed out and someone called. Yeah. I mean, the stories that I have from me sleeping in the most random places in Minneapolis and St. Paul, I, the list could go on. So I'm very grateful that nothing bad ever happened to me uh, in those situations. So the cops came, they brought me to the hospital and they just had me sleep it off because I didn't have any identification and I was like incoherent. Um, and when I woke up, I called my roommates because they've both been my friends, one of them since I was 16 and the other since I was like nine. So I knew their numbers by heart. Thank God called them. They picked me up, brought me home and I had to call my dad and tell him, I don't know where any of these things are. And so we started doing find my iPhone, took it, took, (laughs) took us to where my stuff was the impound lot. My car was at the impound lot with my keys and my purse and my phone. Um, I had drunk drove don't remember it. Uh, it, what it appeared was, so I knew that I had gone and met my friends at the bar, but then I don't remember like getting into the car after. And they had found my car, like what looked like I had pulled out like in uptown and like hit the car in front of me. So there was like a nice little dent and then just left my car there. So I didn't drive very far, but I definitely had the idea that I was going to drive home to my house in uptown. So just left my car in the middle of the road with everything and they towed it obviously. And we went to go get it and there was a beautiful new dent on it that I didn't remember putting in it. And that was super scary to me to be like, okay, you got behind the wheel. Don't remember it. Luckily didn't injure anyone else. Luckily didn't injure yourself. So this has kind of got to be it Al. And For me, that was it. So I literally messaged my friends that day, told them I'm enrolling in an outpatient program. I want to figure this out. I want to find like a better way of living, of like being myself all the time, controlling my actions, the decisions that I'm making. And I just know this is what I have to do to be able to do that. Because for me, when I drank, it was kind of like a gamble of like, okay, well, am I going to manage it? Or is shit going to hit the fan? And usually shit hit the fan, which to me, it just wasn't worth it anymore. And so that was six and a half years ago. And I actually had like two drinks after that at a concert with my girlfriend as like the last two drinks I've ever had. It was Zach Brown band the night before my 24th birthday. We had two beers. We went to the concert. I went home, went to bed. So my sobriety date is my 24th birthday. So 2004. Um, 
no, 2014. I'm like, dang, 2014. I'm like, this <laughs> I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I know when you were old. <laughs> like, 2014, 2014, September 17th, 2014, when I was 24, not 14 years old. Um, although I probably should have been when I was 14, honestly. honestly. But, I mean, that's the thing is like, for me, I had a lot of issue with blacking out not controlling the situation, things like that. But some people can be called to sobriety and stepping into recovery just for the fact like it makes them feel like shit. And I think that was one of the things Chelsea and I talked about on my podcast of just, there's a lot of things that can lead people into recovery. It doesn't have to be that you identify as an alcoholic. It doesn't have to be that you are someone that struggles because you're blacking out all the time. It could literally be like, Hey, I feel really crappy when I drink or, you know, I don't like the way it makes me feel. Or even if you're recognizing like every time I have a crappy day, I turn to a glass of wine. Is that actually solving the problem? Is there other things that you could be doing? Could you be meditating? Could you be going on a walk? Could you be meeting with the therapist? So there's a lot of different things that can turn and lead someone to recovery. And what I think is happening in our society that I'm like loving seeing is people are starting to recognize that Mm -hmm. because for so long it was like, well, if I'm not an alcoholic, then I don't need to stop drinking. And it's like, well, you could also not identify as an alcoholic and question your relationship with alcohol. And I think that's such a cool and empowering thing. And I hope people listening, you might not identify with my personal story, but you might also hear some of the other things that I'm speaking to and feel called to be like, what would it feel like to have no alcohol for 30 days? I mean, that's what happened with Chelsea. She's like, I'm going to not have alcohol for 30 days. And then it turned into 30 more. And then it turned into 30 more. And here we are four months later and she's still sober. And I think that's, what's the cool thing is she didn't ever identify as an alcoholic. She just wanted to make a change in her life. Yeah. Hey, Clara. (laughs) There's Clara. (laughs) Um, No, it's actually so crazy that you say that. And this is what I was so excited. One of the things I was really excited to talk to you about, because look what book I have right here. Quit Like a Woman, the best book in the world. Honestly, everyone needs to read Quit Like a Woman. Literally, it's because of you and Chelsea. And um, I actually last weekend decided to stop drinking. Um, and (laughs) yeah, and, and I haven't really told like a lot of people or anything. And I mean, this will come out in June, so I'm sure I'd have talked about it by then, but, um, similarly where I'm like, I'm going to go 30 days, but I already know I'm done. Like Mm -hmm. I just have, I've explored the option of it for a long time and it's so interesting what you talk about with the difference between like you know identifying as an alcoholic or not and this is where I really relate to Chelsea in the sense that I've never blacked out never have blacked out ever since I've drank since I was you know 17 years old like I've always been someone who drinks in moderation of course I've gotten drunk in the past I've felt very awfully hungover like all those things have happened to me but my dad, you know, struggled with alcoholism when I was young and I also was in a pretty, you know, toxic relationship, which also had a lot of alcohol use in it. And I experienced a lot of trauma around alcohol and so many negative things would happen when alcohol was involved. Fighting would always happen, uh, crying, um, you know, I mean, crying is good, but in, you know, when it's for good reasons, not when you're being yelled at or, you know, meant they're like verbally abused or whatever it is. 
And I still, to this day, like I will drink and then I'll wake up with like my, my heart is racing or I'm hungover after one drink or I'm just feeling like ass the next day and I can't do my normal things that I love to do that give me energy and make me feel good. And I was the same way, like you said, of, well, I don't have a problem. I don't black out. I don't get wasted. I always stop after like one or two drinks. Like I don't need to quit. Like I, I felt confident in the fact that I don't have, you know, a problem by any means. But then after this past weekend, I had a couple drinks and then the next day I had a full blown panic attack just a full-blown out-of-the-womb panic attack that just sucked ass. And I was like, I just, I don't feel good. I feel tired. I feel depressed. I think alcohol in it in my system doesn't work well chemically with everything else that I have going on with my mental health. And I was like, I'm done. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. I don't identify with it. It doesn't taste good to me. Um, there's so many alternatives out there nowadays that, and there's also people like you and you got to meet my friend Molly Britt too, but, um, like she's listened to her podcast. Did you? Okay. I was going to say you guys, she's my neighbor. Yeah. She lives in Lake Elmo. I only know that because you said she lives in Lake Elmo and I'm like, I'm in Lake Elmo. (laughs) She literally lives right next to Haley and Barrett. Okay. Yeah. And they're by the airport. Yes. Yeah. They're they're not far from us. No. Cause you guys are by not that we're sharing. We're, yeah, you're by the elementary yeah, school. Yeah, we are. I won't say the address. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, now you guys know where everyone lives. But um, no, but she's awesome. And, and I was really inspired by her story as well. And it was, you know, very more similar to your story. But I think it's really important to talk about that difference of, like you said, you don't have to identify as an alcoholic. Even the word, and I'd love for, to unpack this with you, you were 23 when, 23 when you decided that you were going to, is that when yeah. you Yeah. And got, then my, I, 23 the first time, 30 days sober. And then my 24th birthday is my sobriety date. Yep. Right. So I'm 23 right now. And it's really alarming for people when you say, I am sober. They're mm-hmm. like, and you've talked about this with Chelsea, I know, but I'd love to unpack it with you. And it's like, people are like, holy shit, like you're sober. What's wrong? Like they immediately, and my therapist said this to me the other day. I was like, bitch, nothing's wrong with me. Like, (laughs) she's like, do you have a problem? I'm like, no, I don't have a problem, but I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm deciding to not drink. And there is different ways to say it, but that word sober, and I'd love to hear your experience with it too. I think it has such a, like, it's like a buzzword. It like gets people all worked up. What has been your experience with that? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. So it was so interesting when I was getting sober and I was like telling people, I honestly wasn't super comfortable with being like, I'm sober for like the first few months because I really didn't know what that meant for me. I didn't know what my life was going to look like. I also was like, I knew the decision that I was making was what I had to be doing, but I also was hesitant. If I'm being honest, it's really scary at a young age, 24, to think about never drinking again it feels like, holy shit, you're never going to be able to have fun with your friends again because let's be real. That is what people rely on. Oh, you want to meet for drinks after work? Oh, you want to go to the brewery and get drinks? Oh, you want to go out tonight and have drinks? It's like, holy shit, am I going to never have a social life again? Like, am I never going to be able to do things? And so that was like so scary for me. And so when 
I finally like initially would just be like, I'm not drinking tonight. And three months in, I was like, I'm sober. I, cause I really felt the benefits to not drinking. I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Being sober is amazing. I get to make all my decisions. I know the decisions I'm making. I'm in control of the conversations I'm having. I'm literally deciding how I want to show up, what actions I want to take, how I want to be living my life. And when I started to tell people I was sober, it's always, yeah, this like reaction of, oh my gosh, like why? (laughs) Or a lot of the people that knew me from my college drinking days, it was like, well, why? Like, why are you sober? Because they saw the fun drunk Alex, you know, the people that you weren't super close with. So they didn't really ever have to see like the behind the scenes. Those were the ones that I felt like were really uncomfortable about it. Like, Oh, well, like, why aren't you drinking? And it almost like was like them starting to do this like reflection on themselves of like, you're sober to like, why? Like, and it's almost like they want to hear why you got sober so that it's like, Oh, okay. I don't need to get sober, you know? And I did identify with the label as an alcoholic when I got sober because I was going to AA. And honestly, at the time, it felt like to me, that was like the only way I was going to be able to like stay in it. But I do think people hear the word sober and it's initially got this like negative taste. But I think, you know, sobriety is like this really cool opportunity. And what sobriety to me means, it's just like removing something that isn't serving you anymore. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that it has to to be like this negative thing. It doesn't mean you're sober because you have a drinking problem. It doesn't mean that you are sober because you have a drug problem. Like you could just be sober from something that, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like another example other than drinking and drugs, but like you could be sober from like other things that you know are like impacting you in a negative way. Cause it's just removing something from your life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want, I want people to be more accepting and open to it because I think that that's what honestly in the last year, my whole recovery and like ideas around recovery, have really shifted around the fact you don't have to identify as an alcoholic to want to be sober or to be a part of recovery because recovery is you taking a look at your life and like making steps to live your best life. Mm-hmm. Right. And whatever that you is that you have to do to get there. And sometimes it might be not drinking. It might even be for some people drinking less. I just think as a society, we need to look at our relationship with alcohol, whether it's completely eliminating it. Great. But for sure, drinking less as a society, it makes me sad how much we rely on it for fun, uh, for stress relief, even though actually it increases your anxiety and your stress and depression. Um, we rely on it for like social connection. And I think that's the other issue. Okay. I meet someone when we're drinking. Great. Now what are we never going to be able to meet sober because it's going to be awkward as fuck. Like, honestly, no, we rely on it. I I remember distinctively pre-gaming first dates because I was so nervous. And then like after I was like, oh my God, fuck, like how are we going to hang out sober? Mm-hmm. You know, like how am I going to hang out with them sober? I don't know if they were pre-gaming the drink, but <laughs> pre-gaming the date, but I was. And it's just like, I don't know, we come to rely on it so much to give us so much, but I think like start to look at like alcohol as like, 
okay, what is it taking from you? Is it taking Mm -hmm. away those Sundays that you love going on a walk? You know, is it taking away the opportunity to look inward when you're feeling stressed from work versus just like putting this bandaid of wine, a glass of wine over the issue and not really doing anything to better yourself? Um, I just think there's so much opportunity within sobriety and I want people to feel empowered about it, not ashamed or afraid. And I think sometimes it can feel really shameful to say that you're sober. And I, I want that to shift. I want that to change. And I want it to be like, fuck yeah, that is so powerful that you're choosing to like take back your life and do something to better yourself. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I think the importance of it too is, is understanding that it can look different than, you know, what the stereotypical, you know, person who's 55 years old and has gone through AA and is, you know, has drank their whole life away and is now deciding that they're sober. It's like my dad was, you know, he became sober when I was like 15 years old. And um, so obviously he had gone through a lot um, and it was, you know, trauma that resulted in him having a drinking problem. But it's just like, it's so hard to imagine yourself at 23 and be like, oh, like, like you said, it's like you're going against the status quo. Like the status quo in our society is that you go on the weekends to bars and you meet people and you drink and you do all this stuff. And it's like cool to do that. It's cool to like show a picture of you with a wine glass or tequila shots or all these other things. And I just have reached a point where I'm like, I don't think that's cool. I don't think it's Mm -hmm. cool to get wasted. I find drunk people annoying. Sorry, I just do. And also the fact of like, like you said, holding space for people who choose to do something that's different maybe than what you do. Mm-hmm. And whether and I think that goes for both sides. I don't think everybody should stop drinking. I mean, yes, ideally, like it's after reading Quit Like a Woman, I'm like, holy crap, it's so bad for our bodies. But also at the same time, I'm not going to judge people if they decide to keep drinking. My partner, Jack, is going to continue. to He drinks and that's fine. I don't care that he wants to have beers with the boys and do whatever, you know that's his choice. Like all my friends are still going to drink. That's their choice. And I respect their choices in life. And they get that to make that decision for themselves mm-hmm. just as much as I would hope that they would hold that space for me and allow me to make decisions for myself. And I think I'm specifically speaking towards students in college. Like you said, it's like you get to college and it's this whole like thing is really focused on Let's all get wasted on the weekends, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, Monday, Wednesday, every single day. And if you ever went to a bar, I did this in college, I'd go to the bar and I'd have a glass of water. Well, the water glasses are bigger than like the drink glasses at a lot of bars. So people would notice that I was having a glass of water and they would like come and like interrogate me. And they're like, why the fuck aren't you drinking? Yep. It's like, what, like, why is this, why is my fun or like what I'm doing impacting your fun right now? That's what my mom always talked to me about. She's like, people should not be so impacted by what other people are doing. We should all do what we want to do and then just move forward with our lives. That happened when I first got sober and I didn't really like know what I was doing and I would go out with friends still. Like I still was very much going out with the friends that I hung out with. And they were super supportive of me and everything. And so I felt really comfortable doing that. Um, 
but I didn't have a drink in my hand. And so many times people would be like, let me get you a drink. Let me give you a shot. And then I quickly realized, okay, I got to have a club soda and a lime in my hand at all times because people can't fucking handle me not drinking. And I'm like, is it because they think I'm going to remember everything that they do tonight? Because I definitely am going to remember everything that they do tonight. <laughs> and my friends always get to hear all the stories about the nights now because the one that always forgot is the one that always remembers. And it's more just like we laugh about it. But, it, you know, I, I just think it's so odd that people care what other people are doing. And I love what you said about holding space for each other because I think that is important. I, I agree. I don't think everybody needs to be sober, but I do think like we were talking about as a society, it's like looking at your relationship a little bit more with alcohol. And that's what I love about quit like a woman. She challenges everybody to just look a little bit deeper at your relationship. When are you choosing to have that glass of wine? When are you choosing to like, you know, have the beer, whatever it is, like, is it because you're trying to like fulfill something for yourself? It's not actually going to do that for you. So like try to do things that are going to benefit yourself and then maybe have that glass of wine. You know, I, I, I do think there's plenty of people that they have their wine, they have their beer, whatever it is. Jordan, my husband drinks and we have no issue together on that. You know, like my biggest thing is like, I just don't want to be taking care of you and we're not going to have a problem. And like, we have a lot of fun together. And when I go out with my girlfriends, they'll drink at dinner. Like it's not an issue. Um, but they also will have sober nights with me and that's fun. And that those are some of my favorite nights when we're just hanging out. And I think what's really cool about being sober, there's a guy in my book club. He is the senior in college who's sober and he, um, I think it's so cool, but he was really nervous about he was like missing out on things. And he's like, it's been awesome. Me and my groups, my group of friends were doing all these different activities that we would have never done because we would have resorted to just like day drinking. We're going mini golfing. We're going to the zoo. We're doing like all these different things and like really actually getting that quality time together where our friendships are growing and becoming that much stronger. And I'm like, that's amazing. And you know, I, I think back, like how many people in college did I think were like my closest friends, but really they were like my partying friends. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just thinking about that as a college student, yeah, have your fun in college, but also know that there's so much more that you can be doing. You don't have to feel like you need to go out every single night. There's other things that you can do. I, that game that you always talk about, I just ordered it actually. Oh, um, I think it might've come. I should check my mail, but I just ordered it because I was like, oh my God, this is right up my alley. And I think there's just a lot of ways that you can connect and hang out with people and spend time. And I want to challenge anyone listening, just like step back and take a look at your relationship with alcohol and try to develop it in a healthy way. Because I think we've just come to rely on it like so much. I mean, how often do you just get home from work and you just crack open a beer because it's like habitual? Yeah. You have water instead, you know? Or make a fun, you know, mocktail if you like, I love, you know, I still love like the taste of like a margarita, right? Mm -hmm. Like I love lime juice and salt and all those things. And I'm going to find fun ways to make like little mocktails or order a virgin drink at dinner and like still be able to go and do things if mm -hmm. I see fit. But also I think there is so much beauty in what you said about that person in your book club, trying things that are different. And I've ta I talked about this with my partner, Jack, throughout my you know last week of deciding that this is the new venture I'm going on. Um, 
And actually, I was going to talk to you about your book club because I want to join it. And I want to start being a part of things that I can do things on weeknights, on, on Saturday nights, like do yoga, go to community classes and know that like I can always show up for that, you know? Mm-hmm. And if I go on a Sunday morning at 8 a.m., I'm not going to be hungover and I'm going to be happy and I'm going to feel that much better because I did that and it's going to start my day off on the right foot. And that looks different for everybody. What brings them joy looks different for everybody. And maybe it is going to a bar and socializing. If that is something that fulfills you on one you know, Saturday night of the week, everyone teach their own. Um, but also like you said, or what like we're saying is just, I encourage everyone to really just hold that space for people who do choose something different because mm-hmm. It's going to start happening. Like you said, I see a lot of shifts. I've been talking to more people who are going through this similar process at a younger age. I know now like four or five people who are sober in their 20s, you know, and that's crazy. It would have been insane 10 years ago, you know, like that's really cool. I knew no one my age when I got sober. And I think that was the scariest part was it made me question a lot about myself, you know, what's wrong with me? Like, why, why do I have to be sober? Why can't I drink like the other people around me? And for a long time, I like viewed it as like this loss, like I'm losing out on all these things. And with over the years of me being sober, I've realized actually I'm gaining so much more from my sobriety rather than how I thought I was losing out on stuff. I'm gaining my life back in such a beautiful way. Like I feel more like myself today than I've ever felt. And that's because of my sobriety. It's pushed me into opportunities that I never would have had if I hadn't gotten sober. I never would have launched my podcast. Jordan and I probably would not have gotten married. Like I wasn't a good partner when I was drinking. Um, I wouldn't be at the job that I'm in. I wouldn't be running this mother business that I'm running. There's all these things. I wouldn't have the friends that I have because they probably would have gotten really sick of me. And my relationship with my parents and my siblings, oh my God, I used to lie all the time when I was drinking. And it's like, how can you have a strong relationship with people when it's built upon lies? Mm -hmm. I never have to lie about anything. We have the best relationship. We love spending time together. We've all grown closer through me getting sober. And I think if you can look at things that are going to add value into your life, like for so long, I viewed sobriety as like taking things away and it's doing the exact opposite. It's adding so much value to my life and it's making me stronger as a woman and like who I am today and how I get to show up in the world and what I can bring for myself and to others because it's really cool getting to connect with other people and you know just even hear about their experiences with wanting to get sober and I think it's so cool that you know people that are sober at your age like that's such an important piece of the puzzle to me is finding other young sober women I mean I mean, I'm not very, I'm not very young anymore. I'm 30, but I'm still like younger in the sobriety community. And I like craved that connection of other people that were like on this same journey and like drive and understood what I was coming, where I was coming from. Cause like my friends from college are so supportive and my friends from growing up are the best, but this last year, actually in the last few months, I've connected with like seven or eight sober women that are in their like 20s and 30s and we meet on Tuesdays and it is the best thing because it's 
everyone knows what each one's going through and we're all sober for different reasons. Some of us got sober through AA. Some of us just read quit like a woman. Some of us literally just got sober and like hadn't really been doing much outside of it. Like they just weren't drinking. And so we all have these different experiences, but at the end of the day, we all feel really passionate about like what sobriety brings into our lives. Are you enjoying this episode so far? If so, please take the time to rate and leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. You also can press the follow button on Spotify and ask for notifications every time a new episode comes out. This is the best way for us to grow and reach as many people as possible as we start to talk more vulnerably about mental health and things that are relatable to all of us. Also, you can take the time to share this episode with a friend via text message or on social media to also grow the awareness and make sure that people understand that they're not alone. Thank you so much for listening to It's Hard. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, and talk about a really powerful like self-development, self-acceptance, and mental health journey as well. Like I can you said all those things that it added to your life and all the things that are better because of it. But I can all I can think about is also just your overall mental health and your ability to accept yourself. Like, I'm sure there were days where that was really hard to feel like you're isolated in a way of like, I'm on this island, no one else is doing what I'm doing. And you said, I feel like something's wrong with me. But to get to that point of like, but I accept this and it's adding so much more to my life than it is taking away. Like, that's like, I think for people like myself, it's like, I I already kind of know that, but for people who want to kind of journey on this, you know, against the status quo thing to know that there is this thought at the end of the tunnel of like, okay, but what is it going to bring to my life and how can it add to my life? Like that is, that is really powerful. And did you feel that way? Like that was a process that you went through? Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a journey because for so long, I felt like I was going to be missing out on so many things. And it took me a while to realize I'm not actually missing out on them because now I'm actually remembering all of the things that I'm participating in and I'm waking up feeling great the next day. So I'm like not actually missing out at all. I'm getting pretty much extra hours in the day because I'm not hungover. Um, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm feeling great. And you know, one thing that you might this might relate to you like in, I don't know when, but I got a lot of the questions of, well, you're in the drink at your wedding. Like Mm -hmm. I talk about this a lot. Like people ask me that all the time and I was panicking. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to drink at my wedding. Like how could I not champagne toast at my wedding? Like that's insane. Right. How could I not do that? And I was like, so freaked out. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't even know. And that was like really early on. And then I started to realize, wait, you're fucking crazy. Why would you want to drink at your wedding? Like that's the worst idea. And you know, you want to feel good at your wedding. You want to enjoy it. You want to mingle. You want to wake up the next day and like look at your spouse and be like, holy shit, we're married. Like this is insane. And you don't want to wake up and have like this feeling of being hungover or God knows I've like I've never witnessed this, but I'm sure people have blacked out at their own wedding. And like, I can't even imagine that of missing out on like such a special occasion. And I wasn't drinking at my wedding. I was completely sober and it was the best experience of my life. Like I was fully in 
all of it. And that was so magical and so fun. And I can like look back on it and be proud of, you know, the woman that I was that day, not ever have to be like, God, I wish I wouldn't have had that extra glass of wine or, and I I think about that a lot. There's so many scenarios that that can come through if you're not drinking. It's like, like I've already hit on it and we just spoke to it, but it, it, it really brings value. It allows you to be your best and truest self, the way that you want to show up um, for your friends, for yourself and for others. Yeah, no, I love that. And I was actually thinking about, cause I feel like I've heard that so many times with people like, well, what about the champagne toast at your wedding? I'm like, fill it with freaking sparkling apple juice. I don't care. <laughs> well, and they have so many, like so, okay. When I got sober, sober drinks were not a thing. I've seen you post about some. I just actually, I, for a while, didn't, wasn't really sure if I should have non-alcoholic drinks because sometimes if you're someone that, that can be really triggering. So it really depends. Like, why are you getting sober? If it's because you struggle with alcohol and you like the taste of something similar to a beer or a champagne, I would say shy away from that stuff. Like recognize that. Um, if you're in recovery and treatment, like talking with your counselor. So for me, I didn't have that stuff for a while. And then I like realized like recently, like I don't, I don't feel like that's an issue for me. So I recently had like a non-alcoholic champagne and I was like, dang, this is good, but I'm not going to have it all the time, you know, but like it, there's so many options now. There are. There's so many. I mean, I was looking at some at the liquor store one day because I was like, oh, you know, if I want to bring like a, something that looks like a seltzer or whatever it is, because um, then it also like we talked about earlier, it just stops the questions. Um, but, you know, sometimes it also causes more questions. Like I tried this kin euphorics or whatever, and it's in this really elaborate bottle and and people are like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, well, it's like it's non-alcoholic. Like it's supposed to, it has other, it's like adaptogens in it and other things that are supposed to like kind of still make you feel relaxed. I didn't really enjoy it. I'll just, I'll say that. Um, I don't want to bash on that, but maybe I need to try a different kind of it. I don't know. It made me feel weird, but I think it is, you know, there are so many alternatives or there are, you know, mocktail recipes everywhere. And there's all these other things that like, if you still enjoy to have like a fun looking drink or like you like to drink out of a wine glass, which is me, like I do like to drink out of wine glass. I just think it's fun. Like you can try different things. Um, but I love what you said about your wedding and I totally agree. I think even if I wasn't going on this journey I'm going on now, I still wouldn't have. I had a 22nd birthday party. This is going to sound so stupid, but I had a 22nd birthday party with my friend and we were, it was our senior year of college and we got a boat on the Mississippi river, like this massive boat. Mm -hmm. And we invited a lot of people. There was like almost 200 people there. It was really fun, super fun. And I had gotten food poisoning like the day before. And so I felt like shit and I was, you know, hadn't eaten in like three days. And so I was like, I can't drink because if I drink one drink, I will literally be passed out on the floor. Um, cause I was like, I, I don't have enough in my body to drink. And it was the best thing ever. It made me realize how great it was to be able to have an intentional conversation with every single person I invited. There's people that came from out of state to come and celebrate with me, like my dearest friends. And the fact that I was able to spend really intentional time with them and talk with them and remember every conversation and know who was there and take photos with all of them, you know, and not look like an idiot when I was with all these people 
it was the best feeling. And I knew in that moment, I was like, at my wedding, I'm not drinking. No chance. Because I'm like, that was the best feeling. Like you said, to wake up the next day and like all my friends are hungover as shit. And I was like, I feel great. I remember every person I talked to and it was awesome, you know? So I think there is, you know, looking at it from a different perspective of like, there is so much power in that if you choose to go the other direction. And you can have so much fun. I mean, there have been so many things that we've gone to as friends, concerts, weddings, just out. And people will be like, your friend is fucking crazy. And they're like, yeah, and she's sober. And they're like, what? You know, like they they don't believe it. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, some people might be like, wait, why aren't you drinking? But people are going to be doing whatever they want to do and you should do whatever you want to do and like have fun. Don't be shy. Don't hold back. Like enjoy your life. When you're sober, you can have just as much fun. You just have to be willing to embrace it. And you know, when we were talking about earlier about, you know, how I was like getting into that like journey of like realizing the value that it adds, I think another part of my story is I felt really alone and I want people to realize like you're not alone in whatever it is that you're experiencing. Like there's for sure someone else out there that is going through something very similar to you and don't be afraid because it feels like you're off on this Island. Like keep going. Like if you're feeling called to like make that change, whether it's get sober, go to therapy, go to that dance class, like whatever it is, it's going to like add value to your life. If you feel alone, like keep on going because chances are you are not alone in what you're going through. And then once you like make it through, like I did like three months in, I was like, holy shit, this is the best thing ever. Like once you make it through, you're going to come out on the other side and you're going to be like, wow, this is amazing. Look at what I can do. I am so powerful. I'm so proud of myself. And then you're probably going to feel called to share what you went through and someone that someone that was going through it the same as you is going to reach out and be like, holy shit, I relate to your story. And then that's like the beauty of like vulnerability and like making changes in our life is it can feel really scary and really alone, but actually there's other people out there that can relate to the experience that we've had, but you've just got to be willing to keep on going, even though you can feel alone. Mm, you're preaching to the choir, sister. I love like you know, vulnerability breeds vulnerability. Like that was how I started with this was just, you know, literally going on social media and being like, I have anxiety. I have depression. I, I struggle with these things because people were always saying like, you know, oh, you have it so together, whatever. I'm like, bullshit, I don't. And similar to what you said earlier about when you, you know, came out as sober, you know, you told people it was like this, you know, wave of vulnerability and then eventually created these ripples and look at how many ripples you're creating now like more just than your podcast like you are impacting me you're impacting you know all these other people because of your vulnerability about your experience and what you went through and there is so much power and I'll say it until the day I die there's so much power in knowing you're not alone in what you go through it's mm-hmm. We feel so isolated all the time because we're comparing ourselves to everyone on social media. We think that having a drink in our hand and being at a bar is the only way to have fun. It's not true. And if you're thinking like, well, what I want to do is, is kind of weird. It's kind of out there. It's like, go do it. Heck, I'll go with you. Like, I don't care. You know, it's like 
let's all try to do different things and support, you know, local businesses that are doing classes. Like Ashley, she's doing like a astrology and art workshop in a couple weeks. I'm going. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to go on a Thursday night. I'm going to paint and I'm going to talk about my birth chart. Like, frick yeah, I'm going to do that. Like, let's go do things that are outside of the norm and the box because ultimately it's going to foster our own happiness and we're going to meet other people, like you said, that might be going through a similar thing. And there's so much beauty in community and human connection Mm -hmm. and knowing that we're all in this together. A hundred percent. And being willing to try something new, make changes, that's where like the growth happens, right? If nothing changes, nothing changes. So you have to be willing to step out, try something, be a little different, whatever it is, have fun with it. That's where the real growth happens. When we get out of our comfort zone and we challenge ourselves a little bit, that's when we start to see really all that we are capable of achieving. And I was in this, uh, when I was in this coaching group called Wicked Fearless with Maddie Ciccone, she is a soul cycle instructor out in Boston and she's someone that I've followed for a long time and she always inspires me. And one of the things that we were talking about as a group, we did this like breath work together and then we talked about like what came up for us and what it made me realize like we all are wildly capable, like way more than we give ourselves credit for. So if you're going through something and you're feeling alone or you feel like you can't do it, like remember like you are wildly capable of doing this and you're going to learn and grow so much in that process. So like keep on going. Don't, don't stop because it's scary. Like that's where like the beauty happens in the scariness, like in the fear, like push past it and like keep going. Mm. You guys, welcome to my personal coaching session with Alex. Um, <laughs> you just Any other questions? Any other, uh, I'm, I'm going to, as a matter of fact, I'm going to keep going. So I am going to continue because this is, it's so true. And, and it always is like when you come out the other side and, and you know that, or I know this through struggling with mental health of like, there's, there's been days where it's been scary. And I've been like, I don't know if I can keep going. Like, this is really hard. And this is really challenging. And it's, and I think of myself as resilient in that space. And it's like, why can't I do this? Why can't I choose to be sober and not drink? And, you know, I'm, I can do that. There's nothing that can stop me. It's my choice. It's my life. Why would I throw away things that I'm passionate about or, things I want to do for the opinion of others. It's not, it's not meant for that. It's meant for what makes me genuinely happy. And everyone looks different in that way. And we got to honor that. Yeah. I, Nikki Norenberg, who I talked about at the beginning, who helped me like create the podcast. She's been doing these Wednesday Instagram lives called the seed of discovery with past clients. And I was on yesterday and we talked about just this. And what I said to her was we let people like, put their thoughts of like fear, like we've put the, we create this fear in our head around like, oh my God, so-and-so is going to think like, I'm so weird for doing this. Or like, what is that person going to think if I do this? And then we make that worry in our head. Like we like create this false narrative of like, everyone's going to be like, oh my God, why is, why is she launching that business? Why did she start that podcast? Like, who does she think she is? And we like create all these false narratives in our head of like worry. And we like think all these people are thinking these things and maybe they are, but who gives a fuck what they're thinking? Because this is, this is where I'm going with this in 10, 15 years, 
those people, if like you didn't go after what it was that you felt called to do. So whether it was that podcast, that project, getting sober, if you don't make that change that you feel so passionate about because of the fear of what other people are thinking or saying about you 10, 15 years from now, they're not going to look back on your life and be looking at it with regret, wishing that you had launched that podcast, that you had done that project or made that change. But you're going to look back 10, 15 years from now and look back and be like, shit, wish I would have done that podcast, wish I would have launched that business, but my worry of what other people thought held me back from creating this life I've always been meant to live. Mm-hmm. So it's like, get out of that false narrative, stop creating worry in your head, stop caring about what other people think because they're not the ones living your life, right? You are living it. So just because there's some fear and worry around these things that you want to do in the life that you want to create, you got to push them aside because that person's not walking in your shoes. You are, and you want to feel really fulfilled in your life. So you've got to get past that fear and worry. Mm. Yeah. Mic drop. Like shit, literally. <laughs> I was like, I I've got to stand so I can't drop it. <laughs> I had like two thoughts as you were saying, I mean, obviously like, yes, like seriously. Yes. And that's so much of the issues with self-doubt and like trash talking ourselves to this point of like, we can't do anything because we're so debilitated by what others think of us. And that was, you know, a, a fear of mine when I started this podcast. I was a senior in college. I thought to myself, what the fuck do I know about any of this? And now I'm, you know, where I am now with it. And I'm so proud of where it's going and where it's gone. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Like it's a scary thing to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to start talking into a microphone and hope people listen to me. Like that's fucking scary. So scary. (laughs) But like once you start doing it, you're like, oh my God, this is so fun for me. Like I love talking to people and learning from them, you know? Um, but first of all, I, I had like moments of remembering when you were my coach at Alchemy and just like the things you would say to me. And we've talked about this before. But it's like, you know, you can do, you know, and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm having flashbacks. I'm the yes, you can. I'm yes. the yes, you can coach. Seriously. And then um, also when you said earlier that you want to be like a community and you want to do like speaking engagements and stuff, like you, you got to do that. Cause I feel like you can like bring the heat on stage and like, say things to people and get them super like pumped up, you know? And that's like so cool. It's like you got to think about these scenarios of like these people and then you put people's brains in this moment of like, oh yeah, you're so right. Like 10 to 15 years from now, I don't want to think like that. Like I'm going now. I'm starting tomorrow, you know? (laughs) So those are the two things that were going through my head. And also that I was like, fuck yeah, that's so good. (laughs) It's so funny that you say that because I never really thought about speaking outside of the podcast and then Nikki I keep referencing Nikki because I'm not Nikki (laughs) I still do coaching calls with her but she does this really amazing thing so I'm totally pitching her right now but she does this amazing clarity call and she does a few different ways so like the first one I did with her she like meditates through your chakras and like different things come up like through your crown chakra and your throat chakra and all these different things and when she was talking about my throat chakra, she's like, I envision you standing in front of a crowd. Like you're speaking and you're getting them excited and you're talking about all these different things. And I was like, holy shit. Like I've never thought about that before. And I was like, that sounds amazing. Like how fun would that be to just get to like share my experiences, talk to people and like hype them up. But then now you saying it again, I'm like, I'm a big believer in like, um, what was the word? 
like repetition like, or like, like when it keeps coming up it's like yeah. okay like like a this sign is, yeah like signs that was hard for me <laughs> the sign that was hard <laughs> yeah that was a, we got there but it took totally. <laughs> well it's, it's pretty Alex it's like what you do right now I mean you are coach at alchemy and like that's a lot of what you do is like you make people feel like they're, like you said, they're capable of, of everything that they can imagine. And it's just taking that, you know, as you grow your podcast to that next level of like getting on stage and hyping people up, like not, I mean, I know that everything with Rachel Hollis is a little bit, uh, you know, kind of controversial right now. So I don't want to compare you to her, but it is kind of like Glennon Doyle. Yes. Glennon Doyle or like Gary V. Like, like those people that are like, yeah. And I feel like Glennon Doyle is a little bit more of like a meditative, like, you know, I like, she's so badass. Yes. Like a Glennon Doyle, like Gary V. like combo. Yes. Pump you up would be cool. Yeah. Like what I got, I got to like popping you vision that. I'm envisioning that for myself now. <laughs> yes. Also, I need to go see Nikki and get my chakras like all checked. Out, oh, she's so. amazing! Like, yeah, everyone should go see her. But I know. I mean, it's 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 just crazy because sometimes we don't even like think about these opportunities that could arise for ourselves until other people bring them into like our imagination, and then we start to be like, oh, crap. I think I could do something like that. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I think that's like a whole nother thought process of like, if you see someone in your life and you're like, Hey, I just want to tell you like, you're a freaking badass. And I think like you would be a really great yoga teacher, you know, like you just have this like aura about you or, you know, I think like you are such a great listener to people. Like, have you ever thought about, um, coaching or therapy, you know, or like thinking about the people that are in your life and like, what are their strengths? And then like speaking to them, because sometimes I think we struggle to like see what our own strengths are because we're like, so in our heads. And then when people start to tell you what they are, you start to own them a little bit more because for me, I love talking, but starting a podcast when, even when I like started Envision for myself, I was so scared. And you were talking about this earlier. It's scary. I re-recorded. I'm not kidding you. I re-recorded my pilot episode maybe eight times to the point where I was like, oh my God, I fucking hate it. Cause now it sounds so scripted, <laughs> but I was just like, I gotta go. I just got to do it because if I don't, it will never happen. And like, that's the other thing of like, if you're feeling like if someone's telling you like, Hey, these are some of your strengths. Like you should lean into that. Listen to it. Cause I think like that is a cool opportunity. Like if you have someone in your life and you feel like there's more for them, like tell them Mm -hmm. because I don't know. I I don't know. You just saying that to me, like, I'm very appreciative of you saying something like that. Cause I feel like that's like very kind. And then having Nikki said it before too, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Like, could I do something like that? And I think we have to like share things like that with other people. Like it ties perfectly into what I was talking about with Chelsea of it's really scary to get vulnerable and put yourself out there. And I was like, guess what? because of what you shared the other day about you being in recovery, you're impacting so many people. Um, and it's hard for the people that are being impacted to share that with you. But when they do, it's like the most rewarding thing. I mean, I'm sure you can relate when you've shared about your experiences with mental health, or even just when you put an episode out and someone's like, 
I learned so much from your episode. I, I think we need to do more of that in like, if someone's making an impact on you, even if it's just really small, like let them know because that can go a long way. It can really create a ripple effect. And I'm not just saying that, but it can. Oh, like, no. <laughs> If you're like, hey, okay, I'll, for instance, today I met my business partner, Tierney, we got lunch and there was this man walking and he was struggling walking, trying to carry his bags and he had a cane and he was struggling walking. And this other guy ran up to him and was like, sir, Sir, where are you going? Uh, let me let me give you a ride. Clearly, did not know the man. Mm-mm, mm-hmm. Just offered to like step up and give him a ride. And like I happened to be walking past this is going on, and the guy was so thankful. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that guy totally could have just not done anything. And I think about just like little things that we can do to tell someone how they're impacting us, how we can impact others. Like it goes a long way. I'm sure the guy that got this ride from this random man was just like his whole day probably shifted. Mm. He was like lit up that this guy would offer a total stranger a ride just to help him out. Cause he saw him struggling and needing a little bit of assistance. Like mm-hmm. I called tyranny after and I was like, Oh my God, I just saw this happen. And it was just so beautiful. I'm like, there is good in the world. And I don't know, the more we can spread that goodness, I think that it's really important. Yeah. And I think something that people like sometimes struggle with is feeling kind of that like insecurity of like, oh, well, if I tell her like that she can do this, that means like I'm, I can't do that. Or like that takes away from like what I want to do. Um, because like even for myself, like I've always wanted to like speak in front of a lot of people. And that's something that I am really passionate about, but that doesn't mean that because I want to do that, and I see you as somebody who could do that, that that takes away from potentially my ability to do that. Mm. It might look different for both of us. We might be speaking to different types of crowds or different types of people, or mine might be on a smaller scale, yours on a bigger scale, vice versa. It doesn't matter. It's like our, it's like making the pie bigger rather than seeing it as like, oh, it's just, there's only this much space. And like, we can't both be there. Like we got to do it like separately, you know, and empowering each other can be really challenging because of that insecurity, those limiting beliefs. But like you said, when somebody tells you, and that's why I love, like my three best friends are so good at this. And that's why I really value their friendships is we're really good at telling each other, like, what one another's strengths are. And we're all really different. Like I'm the only one that has a podcast, you know, that's not everyone's status quo. One has a blog. One is thinking about doing like a food Instagram. One is more introspective and quieter and a writer and all these things. But it's like to be able to recognize each other for our strengths and they're not always public strengths. It's just like, you're a really good friend because you intentionally think of me on a random Tuesday. One of my, that's one of my best friends. She texted me today, this big long text. She's like, I was thinking about something you said last Sunday. And I was like, hell if I remember last Sunday, like what the hell did I say? But it's like, that is really intentional. And that's something that she's really strong in and I'm not as strong in. That doesn't mean that there's less room for either of us. It just means that we both add value to the world in different ways. And that's such a great point because that's another thing I think that holds people back from starting that podcast, starting that blog, starting that food Instagram. Of There's already so many. Mm-hmm. There's already people doing that. And you have to remember there's room, one, there's room for you. Mm-hmm. Two, your personal experiences 
that like are going to be part of whatever it is that you're offering, that's going to make your offering different. So like the way, like you and I, let's say we went out and we have the same dinner together. Like we have the same evening together and then we go and we both are going to do a podcast talking about it. It's going to be, it's going to sound very different how we talk about it, maybe what we experienced at the dinner, what we enjoyed about it. Like it's always going to be different person to person. It's never going to be exactly the same. And the way that we each offer it is going to resonate with different people. And I think that's what is important to remember is things might be similar, but your voice, your experiences that got you there are always going to be different. So like do the damn thing, despite if it feels like there are a hundred thousand food bloggers out in the world, like do it. If you're feeling called to do it, someone might find you that never found a different food blogger that they resonated with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And it's so true. Cause it's like, everyone has different tastes in food, podcasts, books, you know, communities, it is so different. And it's the whole thing of like, if you get one person to follow along on your journey, that's when you don't ever want to quit. Like the days where I'm like, fuck this, I'm done. Like just for my own personal reasons, I look at the people that have messaged me before. I now look at this platform I'm using for a community and I'm like, holy shit, now I'm really stuck. <laughs> like, There's people there that are committed and they're in. And that's the stuff that you have to remember that it's not about, I saw something on Instagram say, it's like, don't compare yourself to those influencers who have hundreds of thousands of followers or those other blogs that have tons of followers because everybody started with one. Mm-hmm. everyone started with one everyone started slowly or they didn't start slowly but they all started from ground zero and it's the dedication the work the passion the commitment that got them to where they are today and mm-hmm. you might look different than other people right like our podcasts might be a little bit smaller than you know back pocket straight candid all those people in minnesota that are a little bit bigger they have a bigger community already but they've been going at this for a while, you know, and they're, that's a production company. They produce your podcast, you know, like those are things mm-hmm. that is like, it's just different and everyone's approach is going to be different and everyone's success looks different and that's okay. There's room for all of us. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, and that's like such a good message of just, there is room for you. There is space for you. So go after it. And it's really easy to get caught up in metrics, but if you can look aside that and like not get so caught up in the numbers and just remember like why you, it is that you wanted to start whatever it is that you're starting a podcast, food blog, blog in general, you know, whatever it was like coming back to your why and like letting that be what drives you. That's what your listeners are going to hear and feel. And that's what the people reading your blogs are going to feel like someone that's really passionate and connected to your why. And like from that, like natural growth will come. But if you're always so focused on getting more and more listeners or more and more readers, like you're going to get discouraged and you're going to want to give up, but you got to keep going because you've got that one person that loves what you're putting out and you're making a difference. And just like thinking back to like, I'm doing it for that one person. And if like, that's, I have one person that listens to an episode. Great. You know, like you just got to remember like why you wanted to do it in the first place. Mm -hmm. If your why is to get thousands and thousands of downloads, you know, I would say shift your why, like shift your why and like really feel like pulled into it because that's what is going to be pushing you forward to keep showing up at the end of the day. 
And people love whys. They love authenticity. They love, you know, they're not, I mean, literally imagine it. Like what if you followed a podcast that was like, hey guys, I started this podcast to get 100,000 downloads. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me. Like, you'd be like, okay. <laughs> and you're getting zero. Like that's not what people do. Like they say why they started it. And then you listen to that, you know, intro, that trailer, the whatever. And you're like, Oh, I can get behind this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just, it's, it, it seems like common sense, right? But our brains tell us otherwise. It's our experiences. It's, it's our mental health. It's all these things that tell us so differently. It's the self-doubt limiting beliefs. And it's like, we're so much more than that. Mm-hmm. So I just love it. And honestly, we could talk for fucking hours. Like, <laughs> seriously, I'm like, you Your need podcasters. Seriously, no, we need a part two because this is so good. Also, if you need, if after this episode you need more, uh, just go listen to Alex's podcast with me on it. And we've talked about Chelsea like five times. So go listen to Chelsea on my podcast and Alex's podcast because she's amazing. Yep. Um, and talk about somebody who has a desire to make an impact and doesn't feel as though she needs a massive platform to do so. She is making an impact. I mean, first of all, she donated her kidney and like that's like a selfless act she's she's not getting raves of reviews on social media saying how great she is her donate i mean maybe now she is a little bit more but like when she did that it wasn't to like get attention and do it on social media. she was trying to help someone it was a selfless act and then to go on these podcasts and she's just a smart intelligent woman who has a you know experience in her life and she's impacting people's lives by just being that and it's mm-hmm. so cool mm-hmm. so i love her yeah she's wonderful and I think it's just, I mean, she's a great person to listen to because her story into recovery is very different than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just love what she shared on my podcast mm-hmm. and what in terms of that and what she shared like on her personal Instagram. We're talking about Chelsea Larson. If you want to go follow her, C-Lard. <laughs> C underscore Lard. I told her we were recording and she's like, I'm so excited to listen out. Now I'm going to be like, we talked about you the whole time. Like <laughs> Chelsea and Nikki, like both of you were on the pod basically. <laughs> this, this episode is sponsored by Chelsea and Nikki. Like, yes. Thank you. Thank you to yeah. our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it's, it's, great. But I do want to ask you my last question that I ask all my um, guests is how do you stay mentally healthy? So I would say for me right now with where I'm at in life, I'm 15 weeks pregnant. I have a almost 15 month old and my work schedule is a little bit crazy. So also life at home is a little bit crazy with a 15 month, almost 15 month old and then being pregnant. So like for me, my mental health, how I take care of myself, I I mean, I love doing a daily journal practice, but that is something that I don't always get to do, but it's so beneficial. But for me, it's movement. Um, whether it is going on a walk outside and not taking my phone with me, or it's working out at Alchemy, doing a yoga class, like whatever it is, like if I can get at least 15 minutes of some sort of movement, And some days it's literally just like, oh, my dog needs to go on a walk. I guess that's my movement for the day. Um, But I always feel better after that. And I, it's, it's so simple. Like it doesn't have, movement doesn't have to be this like crazy thing. It can just be like, get outside, unplug, listen to the nature, and you're going to feel a thousand times better. I guarantee. Amen. 
Amen. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you so much. Honestly, we could talk forever and um, we'll just have to, but I am just so grateful for, you know, what you're doing in the world and, and just the impact that you're making. And I appreciate your vulnerability and your willingness to share. I was, as you were speaking to, I was thinking about how lucky Clara is and, and your new baby on the way, like to have such a strong, you know, mother figure for them and someone who can show them like that struggle is real, but that to overcome and to work through and to, you know, do these things is also real and it's possible to become who you want to become. I just, I'm really excited for them and their future having you as their mom. So you're just awesome. Thank you. Um, but I'd, I'd love to hear too where the listeners can find you and creating ripples as well. Yeah. So you can connect with me on Instagram. I think it's just Alexandra's honor, which is my name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the creating ripples pod is my Instagram handle for my podcast, creating ripples. Um, yeah. I would love for you to message me and let me know what you learned from this episode because I always love hearing how people are impacted or what they take away or what ripple effect was made into their life. So thanks for listening. Yeah. We encouraged you all to, to share what impact people make on your life. So this is your chance to do that if anything mm-hmm. resonated. Well, thank you so much, Alex. It's just been so fun chatting with you. We'll have to have you back because I think there's so much more we can talk about. <laughs> it was so great. I'm now going to go eat the rest of my A to Z pint of ice cream (laughs) have you heard of no but i was literally wait i'm gonna stop recording thank you so much alex it was such an honor to have you on my show and to be you know a friend of yours and just to be in your life is such a gift um you're just so such a light to so many people and you add so much value to our community and I'm so grateful and thank you for holding space for me through my sobriety journey. Um, especially as it, you know, everyone's looks so different. It's just really cool to be in community with people who are so welcoming to so many different backgrounds. So if you like this episode, share it with a friend, please, um, follow it's hard podcast at it's hard pod on Instagram. And then also, please, if you feel called, leave a rating review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way for us to grow. So we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the It's Hard Podcast.